Welcome everybody to the seventh episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anyone science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Zanne and I'm here with my co-host Jeroen. Hi. Today we're going to do an episode of the series we call The Science Life, where we talk about what we have experienced during science and our science life. And today we're going to talk about the first in-person congress after the corona lockdown. And um, I didn't go, sadly, but Jaron did. So we're going to um, talk to Jaron. Yes, how the science flourished in this new world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start. Okay, so first, let's talk about what kind of uh, congress this was where the, that you went to. Well, I uh, do research into diabetes and this was the young sort of diabetes researcher meeting. So basically everyone had had slash were PhDs except for the organizers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no PIs, no nothing? Well, there was one professor uh, there, but he was there for he the next... He was also young at heart. Um, I think he might have been in his 50s. Don't quote me on that. We still may want him for a pod, future podcast episode. <laughs> um, but he was there because for the, the next day. So this was a weird meeting, obviously, because what they did is combine two separate meetings into one big meeting that lasted two days. So the meeting that I went to on Thursday was the young diabetes researcher meeting, where the only people presenting were PhD students like myself. And we presented to each other. And each other is... I, if I'm not mistaken, it was 15 PhDs, including myself, and the two organizers and one professor. But that professor was there because the next day on Friday, he had to give a sort of keynote uh, lecture for that other the other meeting, which is a sort of joint meeting between people from uh, researchers in the Netherlands, uh, the UK, and Denmark. So Okay. Yes. So the second part was international, and that was more over zoom I yeah guess. that was over zoom yeah okay but the people from the first day all attended that one too yes okay so we're talking about 20 people less we were 18 okay. 18 people in a hotel uh no well i'm not exactly sure if the uh the hall that we presented in it looked more like a sort of chapel situation because it had like those painted glasses like you would see with religious figures on it. That's sort of the area where we had, where we presented. Mm -hmm. um, and there they set up like a screen and everything, uh, tables far apart from each other uh, that we can all sit sort of in a huge circle and see everything. But you did sleep in a hotel. Yes, but we needed to get transported, transported to that hotel via shuttle bus. So it's ah, a separate okay. hotel that took like uh, in Amersfoort. So it took like five to ten minutes of driving by bus to get there. So... Separate location. And everything was, of course, one and a half meter distance. Yes. Mouth mask when you're not sitting down, as is it rule in the Netherlands? Yes. So in that room, since we were sitting far enough apart from each other and for the presentations, you didn't have to actually wear your mouth mask. But as soon as you left that room to go to either the bathroom or grab some coffee or whatever, mouth masks on. Okay. Okay. Well, that's quite nice. Yeah. And what was it like to see people? See people and stand up and present instead of oh. doing it in your underwear <laughs> um yeah i mean i think it it was sort of this 
aha, oh, this is what it's like moment again I, you, that you completely forgot about because the last time I presented in person was definitely before Corona. So that's more than almost one and a half years ago now that I last presented like on a stage or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was different. And you could tell like when the first person stood up to give their presentation, everyone was sort of dialed in because the format was basically you have 12 minutes to present and then there's eight minutes of questions and I'm sort of used to at least pre-corona times and also during corona times on Zoom that you don't fill up that actual time for questions. Maybe a few people ask questions, but it's done very quickly and then you sort of move on to the schedule with the schedule. But everyone pretty much had a question and we filled up those they eight minutes. They were so involved. Yes. But oh, it's also, really I guess, funny. that it's hard not to be because you're in, you're in a big room, but it's just so few people. And mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe it was also the, the topic that the person presented on. It was sort of on social jet lag and how that uh, may impact uh, type 2 diabetes. So I think it was also interesting to consider how cool. that... Uh, and that, that, that was the first day, of course. Were there also people dining in via Zoom on the first day? No, it was everyone was uh, in person. Yeah, Just those 19 people. And we also saw that uh, Young Diabetes uh, Research Meeting is sponsored, of course, because otherwise we would have to pay a lot more money for this. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it was sponsored by a company called Sanofi. Um, and so one of the organizers basically said like, hey, if any people from Sanofi actually want to come and see what a meeting is like, um, they could stop by. So one of the representatives from Sanofi was also there. Yeah. Okay, the whole time or just for a bit? Uh, just for that first day of the meeting and then not the next day. Yeah. Okay, cool. So everybody was really involved and were the topics interesting? I mean, there were all the PhD students, so... Yeah, so um, it was interesting because I thought it would be sort of a good mix of more clinical stuff and also more basic research. Turns out I was the only basic researcher there and Ooh. everyone else was clinical. So that was sort of a... Interesting dynamic, I guess. I was the only one there technically with a mouse model. So that was also, uh, I got some questions regarding that. Um, but in terms of like the interesting talks, yeah, there were quite a few. So for example, it's more practical, obviously, because clinics. Um, so it was often a lot of things regarding uh, lifestyle, but there was a good mix between type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. Um, there was also... Um, regarding, for example, one, one person's PhD, they're using an app that they in specifically in Rotterdam. So it's basically an app that they keep track of people with diabetes and sort of, it's the new version of e-health, essentially. So the people just have that app installed on their phone and they can reach the doctor and contact them for advice. Uh, there's lots of different functions on the app to help them keep track of body weight, uh, their blood glucose levels and stuff like that, all integrated on that app. And it's called You Diet. Um, but it's, as far as I understood, only applicable, only being implemented in Rotterdam right now in that uh, cohort okay. of people. To test it out. Yes. And of course, there was also stuff on gut microbiome. Of uh, course. Yes. Um, so two people, no, three people actually uh, were looking at it at either type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes and how it plays a role there. Um, of course, COVID-19. There was also a talk on... Uh, how COVID-19 is impacting the uh, mental health of people who've had beta cell replacement, for example. Uh, so that's also the a thing. The mental health of people who had beta cell replacement. Yes. So beta cell replacement is something that... Um, Replaces your pancreas, basically, for part. 
Yes, well, specifically your beta cells, so like mm. in, type, in type 1 diabetes, essentially. So That's very specific, though, to then look at the mental health of this very small group of people. Well, it's not as small as you think. I mean, obviously, type 1 diabetes is only like 10% of all of the big, like type 2 diabetes is 90% of all the di- diabetic cases. But mm. And I, I understand that they're a really big risk group, mm. but I guess that you could also look at most risk groups and then their mental, he- mental health. Sure, but I mean, um, she's from a department that looks at... Is interested at, in diabetes. Yes, yeah, they okay. do beta cell replacement at ah. Leiden. There aren't that many... I'm not even actually sure if there are other institutes in the Netherlands that actually even do beta cell replacement. So mm. they have uh, access to that specific cohort. And yeah, they saw they that... They just wanted to know how their patients were doing. Yes. And surprisingly enough, these people are much scared... Type 1 diabetic patients with beta cell replacement are much more scared of corona and they... They suffer much more mental uh, health problems during corona than, quote-unquote, the average person. Uh, well, had. I mean, they are in a risk group. No, so. of course, yes. But it was surprising to see how much more to the point where it might actually be recommended to uh, treat them differently because of that. So, yeah, I don't know. There was I wasn't expecting to see something necessarily on COVID at that moment, but there, that was happening as well. Okay, nice. And did yeah. you uh, also talk a lot to the other people? Yes, that's how I came to find out that uh, uh, two people were also starting up their podcast. So we're not oh. the only uh, science podcast uh, base from the AMC, I guess. So What is it called? Obesicast. So uh, it's about obesity. Well, it's weird because um, they don't actually do that much in terms of uh, their research is not really focused on obesity, but more on diabetes. Mm-hmm. But they're funded by the um, Obesity Foundation. So they're starting up a podcast to... Uh, help people with obesity yeah spread awareness and information about obesity yeah so. interesting interesting is it out yet no right i'm not sure i haven't checked uh, you can't unfortunately you can't favorite something or follow something if it's not on spotify yet so i uh, haven't checked since then but uh yeah looking forward uh, to seeing it uh, or listening to it i guess mm-hmm. um yeah for the rest there were quite a few interesting talks i found out that it's also possible to technically um transplant auto transplant pancreatic islets from people who have pancreatitis into their liver and still have that be functional and since it's from their themselves it won't elicit an immune response so you don't even need immunosuppressants and even yeah okay so your own pancreas cells yeah into your liver yes so normally the um the transplantation of beta cells happens like that they basically just implant it into the liver where it can get embedded into because the liver is highly vas- vascularized, vascularized. Um, and so these beta cells just sort of lodge themselves into the capillaries where they get exposed to blood and they can just secrete and respond accordingly. Oh. At least that's what I found out. I didn't know it worked like that either, but I, just, I found out. But so what they were doing is trying to transplant it from the people with pancreatitis because essentially something weird is happening. They just have chronic pancreatitis that their pancreas is being killed off by all that inflammation so they just if absolutely necessary they can get rid of it and just auto implant the islets back into the people and even though it's less functional it's still more functional and has more benefit might have more benefits than transplanting a completely new pancreas or beta cells for example from a donor person yeah Mm, okay interesting Yeah. yeah definitely thought it was interesting i didn't know that that was something to consider or was an option for treatment so yeah yes Cool. Yeah. 
And then you stayed at a hotel, I guess? Yes. Oh, there was one more uh, uh, talk about cheese and how that might be beneficial for... Ah, the cheese talk. I heard about this. Yes. So apparently high-fat diet cheese is associated with less uh, likelihood of developing pre-diabetes. But only in the Netherlands. Specific, yes, because it was a Dutch uh, cohort, and I so, don't know. Against the U, I guess the U.S. Uh, population doesn't eat healthy che- or good cheese in that sense. So. Get Dutch cheese. That's that's what we're getting at here. Yes, that's how we export. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I, you could definitely sense a hurrah from everyone in the crowd. It's like, yes, cheese is good. Dutch cheese is Dutch good. Dutch cheese is good. The nationalism was strong. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Okay. Are those all the interesting talks? Well, of course, there were other talks, but uh, I think that's... Uh, For the first day, at least. Yes. Okay, and then you stayed at a hotel, solo rooms, of course, because Corona. Yes, and um, so the talks lasted quite a while. So we started, uh, I think, around nine, nine something, and we finished around five, six o'clock. Then we had dinner at that sort of big hall situation where we did our presentations, and then we went to the hotel via shuttle bus. And yeah, from there, the organizers uh, planned a sort of music quiz where we got uh, sorted into groups and we needed to uh, solve that. So that was fun as well. But we could do that just online. Uh, from oh, it was sick. in your hotel room then? Yes. So in your hotel room on Zoom, you did the music quiz? Yes. But it was super weird because it was on Teams. Mm-hmm. And oh, Teams, you, yeah. Yeah. And you're in groups of three. And somehow groups managed to communicate super well with each other without using a breakout room or any system like that and just get so many answers. We technically cheated <laughs> and went to one person's room and sat far apart from each other and were communicating with each other to solve the quiz. And we came in last place. We have no idea how we, got, how we lost to people who couldn't communicate to each other <laughs> or like, because you had 30 seconds to a minute. To answer, to answer the question. question. So somehow people just knew the Unox song. Well, not the Unox song, but Hoise Vrouwe or whatever. So easily. So okay. I don't know. But yeah, the quiz was fun. Then then uh, next day of meetings again. And that was the international one where people zoomed in from? Den- uh, Denmark and uh, Ireland. Uh, no, not Ireland. UK. And were those other people also together in like a hall in their country or no so uh, for the denmark group they were they were they looked like in a big uh, big room sort of similar situation as we were um but for the uk uh, group no they were apart yeah okay cool yes and then of course a full day of interesting talk talks again anything that stood out yeah so there was definitely a, also a talk uh, and there was more um how should i put this Less clini- clinical and more um, basic research, uh, really delving deeper. They also used the mouse model there. So that was also quite interesting to see. And um, similar to my project, for example, they were really looking at gene expression and yeah, stuff like that. So I thought that one was quite interesting. Um, it was someone from uh, Denmark, though. But I did find it interesting that even though we added all those international people, there were relatively few basic research talks. But yeah, so there was also an interesting keynote uh, talk on uh, high-intensity interval training and how that might be beneficial for not only type 2 diabetes, but also obesity, but also lean people. So it, that specific talk was on a lot of studies had previously been looking at exercise as a treatment modality for type 2 diabetes or obesity, but found that sort of just endurance training didn't really have 
great effects. It had significant effects, but they weren't the kind of effects that you're like, yes, that solves the problem. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that high intensity interval training did have better, like stronger effects in terms of like VO, increased VO2 max. So wait, high intensity interval mean, uh, training, that means that you go, you sp- like work out really hard for a few minutes and then stop again? Yeah. So like uh, you break out the... Uh, and then a few minutes again yeah. and stop and then, okay. Yes. So they found that uh, that specific way of doing exercise has the added benefit that it's shorter, uh, that you need to do less of it, um, because previously with endurance training, you need to do a lot of it for longer. But with the high intensity, you could do it much shorter sessions. They still do it sort of monitored though, so because they saw that that had a great, great way of you keep track of the people and they're sort of obligated to keep following it. but. Yeah, it had great effects on VO2 max, weight loss, insulin sensitivity, all these things. So, yeah, and significantly better than just endurance training. Um, But not only in diabetic or obese people, but also just lean people. So, Okay. High intensity interval training is the new intermittent fasting. It's good for everyone. We might need to make a separate podcast about it. Yes, but... We'll see. I guess a little bit of a problem with high intensity interval training is the type of exercise as well and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because in this case, they did cycling and rowing. But some of the points that got brought up is like, well, what if you let people do their uh, exercise of choice and then just do high intensity interval training with that? Would they stick to it more or have better results? Or, yeah, it's hard to, uh, hard to say. Yeah. But it was definitely interesting to see like that it has such beneficial effects across the board. Mm hmm. Okay, cool. And then we also had, it's not really a keynote speaker, so remember the professor that I mentioned that was along with us? Um, He didn't actually give a keynote talk, but instead sort of, they did like a debate between him and another professor from the UK, where one of them had to argue, the professor that was with us, had to argue why sort of a closed loop uh, artificial pancreas system, so that's basically in which you have a system that monitors your glucose levels and either administers just insulin or insulin and glucagon to try and regulate that. So you don't go too hypoglycemic or too hyperglycemic. This is obviously used for type 1 diabetes. Um, And how that would be beneficial for completely getting rid of the hypoglycemic um, events that happen with type 1 diabetes patients. Hmm. So he was arguing why this will pretty much solve all the all of that everything yes this was the greatest thing ever um and the other professor had to, was arguing why there it's not a perfect solution because stuff can go wrong with the machinery um people are prone to make errors anyway even though the system should work safely mm-hmm. so i was surprised to be at, and at the end of it we had to vote for who we thought won the debate Mm-hmm. It surprised me, and this is a vote us from the Netherlands, Denmark, and the UK voting. It surprised me that most people voted that it wasn't a gr- the perfect solution, not necessarily the perfect solution, but a great solution with lots of possibilities, I guess. So, so it wasn't. Yeah. Okay. I would have. This is also the impression I got from everyone in the room with me that we pretty much all voted like, yeah, this. It might not be perfect, but I think it's the best. We think it's the best thing. And there, of course, might be some outliers, but that those outliers prove the rule that this thing is solving pretty much all the problems. Mm-hmm. But 
I guess Denmark and the UK outnumbered us and uh, they didn't like it. Yeah. Okay. But I think it had more to do with the argument that it wasn't the perfect solution versus not that it wouldn't be because she also said she literally started the conversation with I agree with him on most things, but I have some nitpicks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was fun. Ah, that sounds like fun. A very different way to uh have an interesting talk yeah it's uh instead of just one non-stop keynote uh yeah 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 you can of course when you have this this new type of congress where you are not really allowed to mingle and drink Mm -hmm. you need to keep people interested so that's interesting yeah yeah and this this was also the first conference that i ever heard or learned about uh people diying their artificial pancreases wait what yes I'm still not entirely sure how they do it, but so one person from the UK presented on like um, on Twitter. There's the hashtag of um, uh, we we don't want to wait for okay. like an artificial pancreas system to be developed and approved and properly tested. People want the solution, us workable solution as fast as possible, uh-huh. and are willing to try it out try a system that actually work that they think might work for them and a lot of it is sto- still anecdotal or optimized for them but not optimized for everyone else so there's no guarantee that it will work in a large population but people are trying it and setting up software and everything like that to work with it and yeah wow i didn't know that that was happening okay we are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor jenny ai Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph. Completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny, and if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. I mean, I can sort of understand, especially the people that are good with technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's also, I guess, with like in med- in medicine, things really need to be thoroughly tested. Time. Yes. Yeah. Whereas in the tech industry, for example, it's like you you make something, you throw it out there, see what needs improvement, you implement it, and then uh, keep yeah, improving. Yeah, well, and also the insulin they're already taking. Yeah. So that's not that weird. You just need a computer to sort of constantly measure you and tell yeah. you when to dose. Yes. Hmm. But of course, if something does go wrong, you can be in quite da- quite a mm-hmm. lot of danger. 
But yeah, I don't know. I didn't even know though that sort of situation was happening, but I found, thought it was interesting. You learned a lot. Yes. I mean, it's also, it's also just the possibility of, you know, this, this takes us one step to more, one step closer to more personalized medicine where we can keep track of our own things a little bit better and do what might be, might be best for us. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that really, really stood out? Um, like most conferences uh, in real life, they're in the middle of nowhere. So Ah, yeah. yeah. They're always so hard to get to. Yes. And I don't know if there are just a few of them, but or a few locations in the Netherlands that people often use. But every time I spoke, not not just with people from this meeting, but everyone else is like, oh, yeah, of course, that one place in the middle of nowhere. Yes. It's cheap. The, yeah. <laughs> everyone sort of just knows the hall or the hotel or whatever that uh, is used for. So, What did you enjoy the most of the whole Congress after Corona? Um... I think for me personally, it was the abilities to sort of just listen to other people's talks and just sort of find out, oh, this is happening. Or people looking into it. Oh, I didn't even know that this was something people were doing. It just, it's not necessarily the innovation, but more the the fact that something, the research was surprising that it was happening. Mm, yeah. Cool. Because so many of like the talks and meetings that, I currently attend right now. It's mostly very niche, very specific. Everyone has a mouse model. Everyone's looking at a specific gene that's interesting to them or for their project. So a lot of people use the same techniques, but you don't often get a talk that's like, yeah, I'm using this app to monitor everyone in Rotterdam that has type 1 diabetes, or I'm using uh, this cohort and I'm auto-transplanting this into them. It's like, huh, okay. So just a variation of different things, even though a lot of it was clinical, but cool are you looking forward to your first meeting after uh, Corona well, i don't know which when? one it will be yet because i haven't been accepted to one of the meetings that i really 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 want to go to so uh, we'll see oh. but i am looking forward to it mm. yeah i don't know yet because they they, they don't uh, they don't uh, yeah they're a bit later with letting us know okay but there's still the possibility there's still the possibility yeah. i'm really hopeful i have a really cool project now to present so now i want to go you know hashtag humble well, I mean, <laughs> science is cool, people. But I also asked that for same professor that gave that talk uh, to hopefully one day be a guest on the podcast. And this is uh, blackmail material. He said yes when I asked him. He knows who he is. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully we'll have a guest uh, in the future. Yes. Well, it was uh, really nice to hear about your experience at the first in-person congress you went to mm. after corona and um yeah we hope to uh soon see more especially now that we're all in uh, getting vaccinated a bit more quickly yes it's it's happening it's finally happening mm. we also got our first shot now mm -hmm. so uh hopefully we will be able to go to a lot of conferences soon again to sort of catch up although i don't know if that's even possible when you're in your fourth year of your phd because you have so much yeah, things exactly to do. or you know yeah so many conferences, time to go to Saudi Arabia or something. Um. <laughs> I mean, why not? I know that there's a diabetes meeting happening there. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I mean, live your best life. Obviously. I think there's also one in Japan. I think I'd sooner go to the Japan. Okay. I doubt I'll be able to. 
<laughs> see if your PI wants to pay for it. I think we've talked about this before, but no. <laughs> I doubt it's happening. But uh. Well, thank you all for listening. And if you want to contact us, you can do that via our email address, the struggling scientist at hotmail.com or via our Facebook page. And you can also find us there uh, via the struggling scientist. So um, hopefully see you soon. Bye. Bye.